Thank you, guys. Some of you that love this cold weather, you're just so happy that you've had cold weather. Thank God, no snow. I'm not a cold weather person, and I don't like it, so we'll just have to agree to disagree because I, I don't like it. We lived here a little over 40 years ago, I think it was 1978, and it was springtime. And lo and behold, we got out in the middle of the night and it was snowing. And it snowed in 12 hours, 24 inches. The freeways were shut down. People were stranded. We were snowed in and couldn't get out of Cobden for four days. And I was, I was so excited while I was down and shoveling snow. I shoveled snow till I thought I was going to drop. I told my wife, I said, as soon as this melts, we're selling our house and we're going back to Texas. I'm not ready for this kind of weather. Hallelujah. Well, you, you can see I'm not Pastor Rick, but we want to pray for him this morning and Debbie and then get some rest and recuperate. I've never seen anybody go any harder or faster than our pastors, and we'll appreciate them, don't you? Amen. Amen. It's exciting, 40 days of fasting and prayer, ready to usher us into a brand new year. And the Lord only knows what's going to happen. I believe we're going to have a revival. I believe God's going to heal like never before. And I believe no matter what's going on around us, God is going to take care of us. And as she said, you can fast something one week and something else the next week. It doesn't have to be the same thing. I'm so thankful for that. Three days without coffee and I'm in trouble. And so, you know, you got to, and I don't know, you know, you say you're not addicted to Facebook, but just turn it off and see what happens. You know, you're sitting there at night. I don't know, my, my phone company, I, I think they've added something because I have a bad habit, Jill, of laying down at night and trying to catch up everything. My light started going out. Maybe it's the defect. Maybe it's just the Lord. I don't know. But it's, it's a good thing. Today, uh, we're going to be going to 2 Kings 4, 8 through 10. In just a minute, I'll read that. I don't know what you uh, like to watch on TV. And I dry out here. So, But my wife had a stroke two years ago, and she didn't really like TV. But now she likes it a little bit better. But we are, she loves Hallmark. Now, we watch Hallmark almost 24 hours a day, except the occasional blue blood. But Erlene doesn't remember that she saw it two nights ago. And it's all brand new. And we'll be on our first, fourth run of a certain Hallmark movie, and she'll say, oh, there's a new one on tonight. And I'll think, yeah, it's a new one. Oh, my. So... But when I sneak away, I have my show I like to watch. I like the cooking channel. You can tell I like to eat. So I enjoy that. I also like the home channel, home and garden channel. And one of the shows that I like to watch is House Hunters. Have you ever seen that show? And all these people, you know, around the world, around the country, get them a new house. And I think they purposely get two people that are polar opposite. You know, they'll, they'll say, well, what do you want? And the wife says, I want a ranch on one level. And the man says, no, I want an elegant two-story, a colonial. 
and oh no, we, we, we need three bathrooms and uh, we got to have this and we've got to have that. He wants a sleek, sleek modern kitchen. She wants an old cupboard, you know, and they argue and go around and around. We all have a special room that's special to us in our house, don't we? We have the place that maybe we want to make sure that we have in our house. Uh, in your house, for some of you ladies, it may be a sewing room where you've got all your ribbon and your thread and your materials and everything's just right there and you've got your sewing machine and it's ready to go and you just love that sewing room. Now, for some guys, you want a weight room in your house. You'll go out this January and you'll buy treadmills and all these lifting things and the only thing that's happening in that weight room about March is just dusting because you're through with it. I, I, I can look at those weights anymore and just get tired because I, I, I know I can't do it anymore like I used to. Or, you know, for some people, I, I listen to also food, again, pods, you know, on the Internet. And uh, there's this one lady, she, she loves canning so much. She has her own canning kitchen. Just only thing she does in that kitchen is can. Now, I told in an early service that Tammy Penrod and Jackie Trammell, they need one of those places because they love to can, and they're always posting those good things and making you hungry. So they need a canning room. Now, for us guys, we also want our man cave, right? Oh, yeah. Got to have our man cave with our sports milieu memorabilia, get that straight. And we got all those things hanging there. And I know, don't be haters, but I'm an Astros fan. Y'all can have your Cubs and cards and argue about it and wear your hats. I'm an Astro fan. I'm also from Louisiana, so the Saints and LSU rules, and you got to have your purple gold in your man cave and all those special things. When I first got a man cave, I thought, you got to have a man cave. So people in Louisiana around the church heard I was getting a man cave. They came to bring me memorabilia and stuff to help fix it up. Someone even gave me an antique, big, huge, beautiful pool table. Now, what man doesn't want a pool table in their man cave? It was mahogany and leather pouches, and man, it was exciting. And I, I went, to, I said, well, I'll go help you move it. And we couldn't lift the thing. We had to hire a special company just to come move my pool table. They took it apart, moved it into the room, and lo and behold, the room was not big enough. There was no way we could put that thing. You could take your stick and hit the pool ball. And it was so frustrating. I said, what do we do? And the guy said, well, the only thing you can do is take out a wall. So my man cave had a pool table that was never used because it just sitting there. Now, some of you ladies are just as bad. You have your she sheds. We all remember the commercial when Cheryl's she shed burned. I tell you what, I got so tired of her she shed, you know, I was about ready to go set it on fire. Some of you guys have a workshop where you build and do things and fix things. And uh, I wish I, I knew how to do all that stuff. Most of us start out with a junk drawer and it just turns into a junk room 
Mine is turned in now to a junk basement. And you have all this stuff. My wife accuses me of being a hoarder. I'm not really. I just like to hang on things in case I need it 10 years from now. Today, with the world the way it's going, people are even building panic rooms in their house. And they're building these rooms that is equipped with their guns and their protection. And I'm I'm all for it. They got it stocked with food and MREs in case they are shut in there or have to hide out for a while. Can't find it. It's hid behind a bookcase. So we have those places for safety. Those are all rooms that we have, and our rooms go on and on and on. And then again, Michelle, all we have to do is dust and dust and dust. Amen? In 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, I'm going to start with verse 8 through 10. Elisha helps a woman in Shunem. One day, Elisha went out to Shunem, A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She was sitting there thinking, now what else could we do to make him feel more at home? So she said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then when he comes, he'll have a place to stay whenever he comes by. So he built a room that was especially just for the visitation of the prophet, which was like a visitation from God. And this was always, when he left, it was always filled with fresh sheets. And then they put down Uh, always oil in the lamp because she wanted to host the prophet. She wanted to host the presence of God. So this was his special room that she built. You know, years ago when I first started in ministry and we traveled, churches didn't put you in a Holiday Inn or the Hyatt. They put us in their pastor's extra bedrooms. Sometimes I've shared bunk beds. I just slept about everywhere. And that was all right. When they first started putting me in a motel, I thought they must not like me. They've kicked me out of their house. I'll never forget, some some places were always not the best place. One night, uh, the pastor's family were sick, so they put us in one of the saints' home. And they didn't tell him that their guest room was in the attic and it was not completed. There was no insulation the window was open for, you know, just cracked so I could get some air. And I went to sleep and covered up. And I woke up at 2 o'clock and a black cat had come through the window, was sitting on my chest doing that pitter-patter thing, you know. I jumped straight out of the bed. I was speaking in tongues. I was blowing the shafar. I was saying Hail Marys. Some places were not always that nice. Pastor George Lee, who comes and preaches for us some, uh, that was my pastor for 20 years. And so a family in that church, Brother and Sister Goins, he, we just lost him, unfortunately, to COVID. But they have an apartment they built in their barn that's just a beautiful place 
to go. And they always entertain the pastor speakers. When we go now, we stay in their little room, and it's just comfortable. You don't want to get a guest room too comfortable. Some of you folks have all those heirlooms, you know, those fancy little porcelain dolls and, and those antique chairs that you're afraid to sit in, that you're going to break, but it was just comfortable. So they made this room uh, special, and the prophet appreciated it. So in the 11th verse, he said, And Elijah returned, and he went up to the upper room to rest. He said to his servant, Tell me what this woman, this woman from Shinem, I want to speak to her. So she came, and she appeared to him, and he wanted to know what he could do to thank her for this hospitality. Can I have an audience with the king? Can I do something special in government for you to help? And she said, no, I have everything I need. I don't need anything. So he went to his prophet and said to the prophet, what is something she needs? He said, well, master, she is old. Her husband is an old man, and they don't have any children. And she would like to have a child. So he brought her back in and told her that this time next year, you're going to have a baby boy. And she said, don't fool with me. I'm old. Don't, don't tell me that stuff. But sure enough, a year later, she was blessed with a little boy. And that little boy was special. And so that prophet room, that extra room that had been built for the prophet came a room, became a room of blessings for that family. And the boy grew and became a little boy so he could go to the field and work with his father. Now, we all need a room that we can enter into the presence of the Lord. It doesn't have to be a physical room. Over the next 40 days when we're fasting and praying, you know, we need to get into that place with the Spirit of, the, of God for knowing his will and let the anointing come into that place. And it doesn't have to be, as I said, it doesn't have to be in your house. You don't have to have a special place. It can be your car. It can be anywhere you are because sometimes we instantaneously need to commune and be in that place because trouble will come at us. When I was first, I received the Holy Spirit when I was 13 years old. My parents didn't go to church, and I didn't know a lot of spiritual lingo. And my pastor's mother was 80-something years old, and she would always testify about going to her prayer closet. And I thought, that's cool. She goes in the closet and, and prays. So my closet in my house was small. We didn't have air conditioning. And I'm claustrophobic anyway. But I would go in there and I would shut that door. And I would start praying. I'd, I'd sweat through and through. And I'd come out and be soaking wet. And I thought, man, this is hard. That prayer room closet's rough. So one day I was asking her about that prayer closet. And she said, I said, I don't. No, I said, it's hot in my closet. She said, Brother Ray, you don't really have to go in a real closet. She said, you can make your prayer closet anywhere. Well, I was glad to find that out. Hallelujah. We all need our upper room where we need to go be refreshed and filled. And so it can stay with us. The room she built for the prophet was there anytime he came. And the little boy grew and became a young man, a young little boy. And one day he went to the field with his father. 
And the scripture says one day uh, when the, excuse me, one day when the child was older, he went out to help his father who was working in the harvesters. Suddenly he cried, my head, my head, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him to his home and his mother held him in her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him up to the room and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Then she shut the door and left him there. And she sent a messenger to her husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that he can hurry to us. She didn't have horsepower. She had donkey power. And she wanted to get the prophet there as soon as she could. The man of God and bring him back so he can come back. Why go today, he asked. It's neither a new moon, festival, nor Sabbath. She said, but she said it will be all right. So they went. She told the servant to go before her and tell the servant not to tell anybody else what was going on. Don't get on Facebook and tell what the trouble is. Just go to the man of God and tell him we need him. When he sent word to that woman, she, he said, is something wrong with you? or your husband or your child, she said, no, all is well. Everything is fine. Because she knew if she could get the prophet and the presence of the Lord in that room, that everything would be all right. Sometimes doctors can't help. Prayers just go, our prayers seem like they're just going up to the roof. But when we get a hold of God in our room, our special room, when we're in trouble, then we can get an answer and we can get into that room that is filled with trouble. We all have had our troubles. We live in troubled times. Never have we lived like a year like we have lived through this last year. We have some of you that are here that probably went through some of the Great Depression and things, but this has been a year like no one else. And your year may be full of lot, be filled with lots of trouble. It may be sickness or divorce or addiction. Your finances may be shot because you lost your job. It's the virus and things that's plaguing. We're living in an uncertain world, and we do not know what's going to happen next. We have to have a room. We have to have an inner sanctum that we can take our troubles to. We have to have that place that we can go and refresh ourselves with the Lord. And I'm so thankful for our prayer warriors because instantaneously the phone lights up and we know that we can reach the throne. I know that when I call Michelle, it doesn't matter if she's at work, that office becomes a prayer room. The others of you that we call, we know that when the trouble comes, it we know that God is there because his grace is always sufficient. And there's always going to be enough grace in our room, whatever we need. It may need, may need a six-ounce cup or it may be a swimming pool, but his grace is efficient, sufficient for us. Sometimes we have things that just hit us out of the blue and rock our world. About 10 years ago, My youngest son, we found a mole on his head, 
And on April Fool's Day, we scheduled for a surgery just to take that little mole off. We had a plastic surgeon who my wife worked with who said he would do it. And it was just going to be a little simple operation. And so he was there longer than we thought and early thought he should be out. But now, and when he came out, he was faced with ashen and white. And he came up with an urgency and he said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this was not just a mole. It was melanoma cancer. It was much more spread than we thought. We only took part of it. We need to get him to MD Anderson Hospital. And the only place we knew to go at that moment was to our special room. And we began in that lobby. People gathered around us and we began to pray and seek God for what God was going to do. They had special surgery. We found out that the cancer had moved into his uh, nodules in his uh, nip nodes. Thank you. An old man, I, I go blank sometimes. Pray, pray, Pastor, if you're watching this morning. So those lymph nodes were, and we, they still thought we had it, but it was tremendously bad news. And we just couldn't hardly, there was nothing we could take to do to soften that blow. My son loved the Lord. He was 29, and he had, a, he had his room filled with Christian music. He loved the Lord, and we trusted. The medicine that was available, he could not tolerate. So there was nothing we could do. And the doctor said, there's just nothing we can do but see if we got it all. I went to my son and said, Jeffrey, what do you want to do? He said, Dad, let's go on a road trip. I said, a road trip? He said, yep, you got to preach out there somewhere. He said, let's just go. So for three weeks, we toured the country and went all to his favorite places. We went to an amusement park and outside of Seattle, and then we went, I mean, uh, Cincinnati. And then we went, he loved history. We went to Gettysburg. We went to you know, Philadelphia, to D.C., and we just had a good time. He, he acted like there wasn't a care in the world because he had his room to put his troubles in. And so he was not worried about what was going on. You know, God said he'll not put on us more than we can bear, and he won't. And he will give us that grace to bear. A year later, Jeffrey's prognosis was getting worse. And my little grandmother lived with us. She was 80, 94 years old. And she could remember when she was four, she could remember four days ago. We had six bedrooms in that house. It was a house for sober living that she was my house manager. And I could be looking for something, and Granny would say she weighed all of 80 pounds. And I'd say, Granny, I can't find this. She said, it's in the third bedroom in the fourth drawer of the dresser. And she was just that smart. On a Wednesday, we took Granny for her three-month doctor's visit. And the doctor was so impressed with how well she was doing that he said to her, Granny, you don't have to come back and see me for six months. You're in a perfect bill of health. As we was walking out of the ramp down to the car, she stopped me and she took my hand and she said, son, we're about to lose Jeffrey. 
And I said, now, Granny, we don't know that. We're going to hold on to God. She says, I can't do that. And so I just wanted you to know. The next morning, she had a massive heart attack. And Saturday, she passed away. We had her funeral on Sunday because on Monday, Jeffrey had tickets to see the opening game of the Astros. And someone had gotten us some beautiful seats, two rows behind President Bush, and he wanted to be there. So it put a little haste on things and didn't have time to process what had happened. On Monday, we went to the ball game. On Wednesday, Earlene was scheduled for a surgery for a heart ablation. She went in the hospital Tuesday night. On Wednesday morning, she had surgery. She was still in the hospital on Thursday. And that morning, as Jeffrey and I were having coffee, he threw a blood clot and went unconscious. And on exactly one week later, we lost our son. And you know, you can never compare when you sit around and think about things that could happen and might happen, it'll weigh you down so much that you can't even function. But when the time comes, that grace is going to be sufficient. Earlene had come home from the hospital to be with Jeffrey, but because she was sitting beside the bed a lot and not laying down, she began to bleed out in her groin area. And she lost about four pints of blood before we realized how critical it was. And 24 hours after our son passed away, we were in St. Luke's Hospital in ER, and she was fighting for her life in a room. They ushered us out so they could go through her jugular vein for, to give her blood, and we were standing there. And at that moment, I felt so helpless but in that room, I was able to, in that hospital hallway, I was able to find my room. I was able to get in that presence so that I knew that it was going to be all right. They called a code blue for the room next to the room she was in, and we stood there. And I feel like I was worn out. All the minister, I couldn't minister. I was in a bad place. I thought, I can't give anymore. A little lady came out of that room. And she backed up to the wall and she slid down the wall and fell into the floor. And I, I looked at her and my heart said she needs somebody to minister her. My mind says you can't do it. But the Holy Spirit came in that hallway and I walked over. I slid down the wall and I sat down beside her and I said, is there something I can help you pray for? And she said, our pastor's not here yet. And she said, but you don't understand. You can't imagine what I just went through. You can't in your wildest dreams know what I'm going through. She said, I just lost my 24-year-old son to cancer. And I looked at her. The presence of the Lord came. I said, darling, 24 hours ago, I lost my 29-year-old son with cancer but his grace is sufficient. And we have a room we can go to. And the Holy Spirit showed up in that hospital and ministered to us. You know, as Paul traveled, he had times when he had encounters with God in prison cells. A lot of the Bible was written out of prison cells, locked up in ships, chained in the middle of storms. 
he came and we came to Paul and ministered to him. We all need our safe place to go to. There's a place to put our troubles in. Whatever comes in 2021, God's got this. When the servants got to the prophet, the prophet sent his, his assistant or his helper, gave him a cane and said, go lay it on that boy. And he went to the bedroom and he laid that cane on the boy's body and nothing happened. He went back to the prophet Elisha and said, he's still dead. And that woman said, she was not leaving until the prophet went to that room. That prophet went to that room and when he walked in, he prayed, he laid himself down on top of that boy, put his hands on his hands, his mouth on his mouth, and he breathed life back into that young man. Because that room that was meant for, a had become a blessing, now was a room of trouble. And God needed to show up in that room. And he came and the life was breathed back in that little boy. And he met the need. It doesn't matter what kind of trouble you're in. Find your place this year as we fast, as we pray that you can put yourself into, that you can enter into and find the presence of the Lord. In Jeremiah 29 and 11, God said, For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I love the way it's said in the message. It says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans for you to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the, a future that you've hoped for. So whatever you're carrying, take it to that special place. Take it to that room that you can put your troubles in. Take it where you can lay it on your bed where you rest and just give it to the Lord and let him take your troubles and trials. Sometimes it seems too much to bear. That's when we have to cast those cares on him, give it to him. God doesn't always heal the way we want him to heal, but it's always in God's plan. In Matthew 11 and 28 uh, in the message, it says, are you tired? Do you, ever, do you feel tired? Are you worn out from the bad news? Are you tired of hearing bad reports? Are you tired of the grief of hearing someone else has died? Are you worn out today? Are you in that place where you just think, I can't take any more? He says, Get a, are you burnt out on religion? Religion will burn you out. I don't want to be religious. I don't want to go to somebody that's going through a, a function, but I want to be somewhere I can be in a relationship with God. He said, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Get into that room. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy on or ill-fitting on you. Keep 
company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. We don't have to be weighted down with things of this earth. We don't have to be worrying and bringing up things to the Lord that we can take them to him and cast them into his feet. We don't have to worry about our budgets or our lost jobs or what's going to happen with the virus. We have to build that place. And many of you have that place. You can identify it right now. You know what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord and give it all to him. But if you haven't, I invite you to find that place today. He wants to give it to you like never before. The night that Jeffrey was going home to be with the Lord, on our trip, we went to Kings Island in Cincinnati. And there was a roller coaster there that was very high and scary looking. You may have ridden it. Are you, there's a roller coaster fans. I, Marty, you like those? Okay, I got a few hands, Todd and Kathy back there. I used, when I was a young man, I used to love a roller coaster. But I got on one in one time, an old wooden one. It was shaking so hard, it scared me half to death. And I thought, I'm never getting on another roller coaster. Jeffrey wanted to ride that roller coaster. And he said, come on, Dad. Won't you ride with me? I said, no, thank you. You can ride it. And he said, man, I don't know, Dad. That looks scary. I said, well, you can do it, Jeff. You can get on there. Go ahead and do it. And he did it. And he had a time of his life. And when, you know, they made pictures when they're going down that big hill and he was going and he was scared, you know, and it's funny. And we, I bought the picture and had it framed and hung it right over his bed. The night that he was going home to be with the Lord, I thought, what can I say? He had told me two days before, he said, Dad, best and worst case scenario, I might get to go, he- go to heaven before you. Worse for you, best for me. And so I thought, I can't bear to do this. But I was in his room with his gospel music playing, and I was in my place with the Holy Spirit. And I think I can do anything. I looked up over his bed and saw that picture of that roller coaster. And I looked at him and I said, Jeffrey, you can do this. Go ahead, son. You rode that roller coaster You can go through those pearly gates. It's going to be all right. And in a few minutes, he was ushered to the throne room. You know, you can do whatever you have to do when we have a place that we can cast our hearts and troubles into. And during this 40 days of fasting, we need to find a deeper place. We don't know what we're going to face this year, but we, I don't know who holds tomorrow. Um, I mean, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And God's going to be there to take us through whatever we walk through. So we can enter into that place where we can rest and we can be blessed and refreshed and renewed. And just, you know, sometimes you're so tired and you think, I just can't make it. I've entered into these services sometimes and thought, Lord, I'm so tired today. I just can't make it. The praise and worship begins to sing and they usher every week the presence of the Lord around us. And by the time Rick gets up here, I'm ready. Yay. I'm, I could shout or run around the aisles, though I don't do that like I used to. I can still do it. 
So we need, if you haven't found that place, I invite you today to find that place, to build, carve out you a place that you f- can go to and feel comfortable in the presence of God. And he can show up wherever you need him. If it's your office, if it's driving down the road, if it's in the middle of a hospital wing and you have a bad report, if the employer is saying, I'm sorry, we're going to have to lay you off, wherever it is, you can be in a room that you can put your troubles and God will rescue you. Amen. Can we stand this morning? I want to tell you that no matter what the news broadcasters say or what the naysayers say, everything is going to be all right. God is going to meet us at the throne. He's going to meet us with our cares and troubles. He's going to be there to take care of whatever happens because that's what God does. I invite you to find your place. You know that place. It doesn't, you know, sometimes I like to light candles and I like to have some soft music playing and enter in. I think some of you have those places in your home that you've designated to where you go to pray. But God shows up in our room wherever we are and he'll meet whatever needs you need. He'll give you the grace to walk through whatever you have to walk through when we enter to that place. If you don't know that place, then this morning invite him into your heart that you can be or give their cares over to him. Some of you are carrying baggage and things that you don't need to be carrying. Just just put it down and give it to God. We're holding on to things. You know, sometimes we walk around and we got bags in both hands, a backpack on our back, and we're carrying it around and we're weighted down. And he says, just come on, bring it to me. Bring it to a room. Bring those troubles to a room so I can give you rest. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. Lord, we thank you that you have provided like no one else. You have given us a place of safety that we can come to. Lord, when the powers of darkness are all around us, Lord, you can shine the light in our lives that we need. You can give us everything we need. Lord, for those that are watching on live stream, you can enter into those living rooms today. And that living room can be a room of refuge. It can be a room to re-fire and to revive those weary spirits and hearts, Lord. And God, we ask you to meet those needs here today in Jesus' name. Can we just worship him this morning? Lord, we worship you. If you have a need, come to the front today. Prayer warriors, would you come and pray? Thank you, Lord Jesus. The more I seek you, the more I seek you, Lord. The more I find you. Yes, Lord. 
this morning. I want to sit at your feet. Hallelujah.
It's more than